This is our line by line, verse by verse study in the book of Revelation. We've made our way to chapter 9 and we find the first direct judgment on men. They are locusts that come from the bottomless pit. There have been men that have partaken of the judgment, but this is the very first direct judgment that is on man per se. The title of our message is Locusts of the Bottomless Pit. And these are creatures that are like locusts, but they also are like scorpion. So they're scorpion flying, flying scorpion locusts that we see in this chapter. Let's review really quickly. This is going to be quick. Let's review the judgments we've seen so far. So we saw that there were the seven seals and now we are on the fifth trumpet. And you remember that the seventh seal opens up and the trumpet judgments come out. And you remember that the first four seals were all the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That the white horse rode out, the red horse, the black horse, and the pale horse. And this was the Antichrist war famine, and death. That these would be characteristics of the entire tribulation period. Those were the four horsemen. It's like the seal was broken, the horseman rode out. A seal is broken, the horseman rides out. Then you get to the fifth seal, and it's the martyrs under the throne, or what we call the martyrs cry, asking God to avenge their blood. They're given white robes, they're told to wait a while longer, and God will bring vengeance for them. Then there's the opening of the, of the sixth seal, and that's the cosmic disturbances. It's the earth shaking. It's the heavens quaking. It's the stars falling from the sky. And it's men falling under rocks and saying, hide us from the wrath of the lamb that is on the throne. So again, it's cosmic disturbances. It does affect men, but the judgment has so far has not been directly towards men. Then the first four trumpets are similar like the seals. They're connected. It was all judgments to on the earth really judging or bringing judgments on the earth for those who worship the earth. And environmentalists today borderline on worshiping the earth, but the earth has been worshiped for thousands of years. And so the, the, the first trumpet was the destruction of a third of the trees and all of the grass. The second trumpet was a destruction of the third of the sea life and a third of the ships on the sea. So men are affected, but the judgments on the water, the sea. The fourth trumpet is the fresh water, a third of the fresh water being turned into blood. And the last uh, trumpet or the fourth trumpet is the, the, the sun and the moon, a third of it being darkened. So those judgments come against creation. And then an angel flies through the heavens in Revelation 8, 13. This is at the end of those four judgments. And here's what the angel says. And I looked and I heard an angel flying in the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the, of the three angels who are about to sound. Now, that cannot be a good sign that an angel flies through the heaven and says, woe, three times because of these final judgments, these final trumpet judgments that are on their way. So let's read the first part of this in uh, Revelation chapter 9. I want to read kind of a good section on it. Then we're going to come back and unpack it. So we're going to read it. Then we're going to come back and unpack it. We're not going to read all about half of it. And then we'll come back and unpack it. We're covering verses 1 through 12, the fifth trumpet that sounds. Verse 1. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth to him was given 
the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. And to them was given power as of a scorpion of the earth hath power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or the green things or any tree, but only those men who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So again, that's a pretty heavy, ominous statement of what happens when this seventh seal is torn. And immediately it brings up a couple of questions. Several questions, actually. It says in verse 1, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. So this star is called a him. So who is this star that is fallen from the earth. So we'll talk about that. Then it says he was given a key to the bottomless pit. And so how is it possible that there is a bottomless pit on the earth when the earth is a globe and you can't have a bottomless pit in the middle of a globe, but the bottomless pit is opened up and the smoke comes out of it and the, the abuso, which literally means bottomless, which means that depthless, depth, depthless it's the perfect, bottomless pit is the perfect thing for it. And is this, is this, is this hell? Is it where people who reject Christ go? Is this a different place than that? So there's a lot of questions that come up right away. And the first question that we want to deal with is who is the fallen star from heaven? So there's a fallen star. We see that stars in the book of Revelation are referenced as angels. And not only in the book of Revelation, but in other places, angels are called stars. Let me give you a few of those places. Revelation 1.16. He had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. In Revelation 1.20. The mystery of the seven stars which I saw, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are seven angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. Now, if you were with us in chapter one of the book of Revelation, you know that for a couple of weeks we dealt with, are these seven stars literal angels, or are they the pastors of the church? Because the word angel means messenger, and so is, is he writing these letters to the pastors? to give to the church? Or is he writing them to the angels that would give it to the pastors to give it to the church? And I think the fact that stars are used to speak of angels, actual angels, the, the creation of angels themselves helps us to come down on the side of angels earlier on in the book of Revelation. And I realize that as I've made my through the book of Revelation this time, I've waffled a couple of times on this subject. But I don't mind waffling if I waffle to the right place. I, I don't mind saying something and coming back and going, you know what, For, with further information, I think this is, is true. And so we're really getting some clarity as we see stars spoken of as angels as we make our way through uh, the Bible. Revelation 2.1 says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the middle of the golden lampstand. Revelation 3.1. And 
to the angel of the church of Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your work and you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Now Job, the oldest book in the Bible, refers to morning stars singing at creation. It's one of my favorite verses. It's Job 38, 4 through 7. And I take the first part of 4 and the last part of 7 because the, the middle is kind of a parenthesis and you put them together for the statement. My wife took a picture. We were on a houseboat in Lake Powell, I don't know, five or six years ago, maybe longer, seven or eight years ago. And the sun was coming up and I, we were already out fishing, but she was up on top of the, the houseboat we were at and she took this picture of Lake Powell with its long sides and the sun peeking up over the top of it. And so we have that in one of our rooms and we had it matted and then we had put under it this statement. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now, as I said, this is, takes out the parentheses. So it's the first part of Job, Job 38.4. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. So this is where Job's had a bunch of questions to God, right? Throughout the whole book of Job. Job, Job is like, if God were a man, I'd set him down, ask him what was going on. And when I see God, I'm going to ask him some questions. And so then God shows up and God says to Job, I have some questions for you. And the last part of Job is God asking Job questions that Job has to go, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Realizing he doesn't have as much understanding as he thinks he does. And this is one of the questions. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Job, you got all the answers? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now, the sons of God is a reference to angels. We know that from Job chapter one, when the sons of God appeared before God and Lucifer or, or Satan was numbered among them. So who are the morning stars? And if these morning stars of Job 38, 7 are angels, then I have to change another thing that I say regularly. So regularly I say angels are never found singing in the Bible. Because in Christmas songs, we talk about angels singing. But whenever you look at the Christmas story, the angels are always saying. And the angels said, glory to God in the highest. And the angels said the things we have them singing. But if the morning stars are a class of angels, and I think they are, angels, a morning star, the word here for star could also be used for prince. And we know that there's the prince of Persia, the prince of Greece, who are demonic spirits. We know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts and a host of wickedness in heavenly places. So there is this ranking of angels, and it seems that morning stars were the highest ranking under Christ, that, that angels could have. And the morning stars sang together. When you look in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, which is writing to the king of Tyre and to one of the, another king, but they start writing about Satan in it. Satan has musical instruments, which is interesting. So you've got these morning stars who sing and the sons of God that shout for joy. Now, in 1 Peter 1.19, it says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, 
which you do well to heed is a light that shines in dark places until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So here Christ is called the morning star. He is the brightest thing in the sky. So you had morning stars, which were angels, and you have Jesus, who is the morning star. We know that's Jesus because Revelation 22, 16 says, this is Jesus speaking, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. So this doesn't make Jesus one of the angels. This makes Jesus the morning star. And then there are angels with him that are morning stars. And Satan is one of those fallen morning stars. This is Isaiah 14, 12. This is making a reference to Lucifer. And I don't know if you know this or not. I've talked about this before. Lucifer is not his name. That's not Satan's name. Satan, the devil, we don't know what his name is. We may have a suggestion here in this passage, but we don't know. And Lucifer is not it. Why? Because Lucifer is Latin for morning star. And when the King James Bible was written, they put Lucifer in the place of the burning one or the morning star in Isaiah 14, 12. So that was the reference. That's why if you have an ESV Bible in front of you, an NIV or the one that I like to use when I'm not using a New King James is the NASB. The 2020 version is probably the best study Bible you could have is the NASB Bible. And I want to read to you what this says, first of all, in the New King James, and then I want to read it to you in the NASB, okay? Uh, so in the New King James, it says, How you have fallen uh, from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. So, Satan weakened the nations and how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. But now think about what Lucifer means, Venus or morning star, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star. Then you got Jesus saying, I am the morning star in Revelation. And no wonder there's been people confused about, well, Lucifer's morning star and Jesus is the morning star. Well, listen to what it says in the NASB. This is much more like the Greek, okay? How you have fallen from heaven, you star of the morning, sun of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who defeated the nations. And we ask the question, when did Satan defeat the nations? This is in the homework section. Study the Tower of Babel. Study the effects of the Tower of Babel and the dividing of the land. We believe that there's a connection to when Satan defeated the, the nations. Now, let me give you a summary of what I'm saying. Sometimes after you take a bunch of verses and you put them all together, it's good just to get a summary of what I think that these verses are saying to us. So this is, this is my summary for this. Angels in the Bible are sometimes referred to as stars. They are, there are high-ranking angels called morning stars. Satan was one of the morning stars who fell from heaven and defeated the nations. Jesus, who is God, is the morning star that is above all angels called morning stars. A star fallen from heaven opens the bottomless pit, maybe Satan himself. So it's not identified clearly as Satan. Most commentators are going to say it's Satan. A fallen star. Satan is a fallen angel. Angels are referred to as stars. Most likely, 
it is Satan who opens the bottomless pit. But how does he get the keys to the gates to the bottomless pit? They have to be given to him. And, and that brings us to our second question, now that we've got the first one out of the way, which is, this is going to be a really short sermon, by the way, until I started getting into all this. Uh, the second question that you ask here is, is, what is the bottomless pit? Is the bottomless pit the same as the, where, where those who don't know Christ are kept? Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus and some being in comfort and others being in torment. And so then he, he descended and ascended, leading a host of captives out of captivity. And so there's a place where those who don't know Christ are in a holding place right now. Is that the bottomless pit? The Bible also talks about angels who didn't keep their proper dominion, who get sent to the pit. When Jesus approached the man in, 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 that had the demons of Gadarean in him, the, the legion, the man ran to him and said, what do I have to do with you? Are you going to send me to the pit before my time? There is a place that God sends I don't want to say naughty angels. There's a place that God sends bad fallen angels that are worse than any other angels. They don't keep their proper place. There's some guidelines that God allows fallen angels, demons, to operate here on earth. And if they don't operate within those confines, then they are sent to a pit. Is this the abuso? That's the Greek word for here, which means, again, depthless. And how could you have a bottomless pit on the earth because God can do anything and God can make a bottomless pit inside of a globe if God wants to do that. You say, how does that work? I don't know, but God can do it because God can do anything. Do we think this bottomless pit is on the earth? Yes, there's a literal place today, maybe camouflaged, maybe covered up, but there's a place that will be opened up and this smoke is going to arise out of it. So um, people will ask, is this literal? Is it a literal pit? Yes. Again, because God can do anything and make a bottomless pit and it's opened up and these locusts come out of this pit. Are these locust scorpion things, creatures, are they spiritual or are they natural? Are they creatures that fly like a locust and have stingers like a scorpion? Or are they demons that manifest themselves with a body with, a, with, with the wings like a, like a locust and a tail like a scorpion? The answer to that is, I'm sorry to say, we don't really know. I find that most people will reference them as demons coming out of the abuso that they would be demons. I'm not so sure. To me, they seem more like creatures. I'm, again, I'm not going to make a stand one way or another, but it is interesting enough to look at they do come out of this bottomless pit. Um, is this bottomless pit hell? Is it the place of the dead uh, that don't know Christ? Is it the prison for angels who do not keep their proper place? Let me read you a few verses, just three verses, on these angels that did not keep their proper place being put into prison. It says in 1 Peter 2.4, For God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved in judgment. And so the word for hell here is Tartarus, which isn't Gehenna, the normal word for hell. So there are angels who sinned, 
probably the angels of Genesis chapter 6. I am of the opinion that those are re the sons of God there are not the line of Seth. I mean, yeah, not the line of Seth, but the sons of God there are literal angels who did not keep their proper abode. Jude 1.6 says this, And the angels who did not keep their proper dominion, but left their own abode, their own home, their own place, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. So there's some place that angels are put where they are kept in chains. 1 Peter 3, 19-20 is the most convincing for this being the, the, the before the flood, the event before the flood. It says, By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedience when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. Now we know these spirits were disobedient in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few that is, eight souls were saved through water. So you've got these demonic beings that are being held. And so some believe that when this, this pit is opened up, that these demonic beings that are in chains are unleashed on the earth in the form of these flying locust scorpion things that we find here in this chapter. Uh, maybe it is the same place. I don't know. But it doesn't say that. And so I'm hesitant to say that's exactly what it is. So what do we know? We know that a fallen angel is given the keys and opens up the bottomless pit. We know the smoke come out, comes out of it and out of that smoke come these locust scorpion creatures that torment men, as we're going to see, for five months. Now, Revelation 20, 1 through 3, talks about the bottomless pit again. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid a hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, the devil, Satan. No question, this is the archenemy of God, right? And bound him for a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So the same pit that the locust scorpion creatures come out of is now the holding place for Satan during those thousand years. So maybe this is the pit that they're held in. It doesn't mean that it's the extra bad demons being released upon mankind. These could be literal creatures that are in the bottomless pit, which would make it a particularly horrible place, I might think, even for demons. Revelation eleven seven tells us this. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. These are the two witnesses, and the beast arises out of the bottomless pit. So the Antichrist has his beginnings in the bottomless pit. It won't be too long until we're in Revelation 11 and we'll be talking about more about the Antichrist in his beginning, but those are the other places that we find the bottomless pit. So let's break this down then. Verse two. So we've answered two of the questions from verse one. Verse two, he opened the bottomless pit and smoke rose out of the pit like smoke of a great furnace. The first place that, that smoke is mentioned in the Bible is in judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And here we have judgment against mankind. This, this like a great furnace smoke comes out. So that the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. So it, the smoke is so dense, it covers the entire earth and it blocks out the sun. So now we're in darkness. To make the creepy locust scorpions even more creepier, there's a smoke that brings darkness and then out of that smoke that brings darkness, it says, then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. And they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree. So that would make me think that these are real locusts in some way. Because they're commanded not to hurt anything but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now this is the 144,000 of the 12 tribes of Israel that were sealed that the locusts don't harm. This means if you are a left behind Christian that you have to deal with the locusts. No wonder Jesus said in Luke 21, pray that you would be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. This is one of them. People say to me, well, you know, you just believe in the pre-trib rapture because uh, you're an American who wants to escape. I don't know what being an American it has to say, do with it, but that's what they want to say. You're an American who wants to escape. But yes, I want to escape these locust scorpion things. I don't want to fight them off. I don't want to hide from them. I don't want to have to figure out how to kill them. This is a whole, this is a whole horror movie in making, right? This, this here itself could be a, a movie of, of fighting off, you know, these locusts for five months. How will people survive? How will they fight them off? But even the people who are left behind. And so Jesus gave us this warning in Luke 21. I think starting verse 34. He says, but you be careful that your heart does not get weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of that life, of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all of those who dwell on the earth. He's judging earth dwellers, and out of the earth come these creatures and judges men who dwell on the earth. And if you were left behind, then you were an earth dweller, even though you may have given your life to Christ. We don't see any special protection in here. In fact, it says the only people that have special protection are the 144,000. So we do not, to use an overused term, we do not want to be left behind. And we want to listen to Jesus' words, be counted worthy to escape all of these things that will come to pass on the earth. Now, it says, and there's control on, on this judgment. And, and I like that. I think God always controls judgment to some degree. They were not given authority to kill them. So these creatures, although they would kill them, are not given authority to kill, but to torment them for five months. At least there's a time limit on it for five months, and they torment men for those five months. Their torment is like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. So we're familiar with scorpions, right? If you have a black light, you can go out in the alleyways by your house and you can look and you can see scorpions. I, I did some research on scorpions today, as I like to do when something comes up in a passage. I found out that there are a thousand different types of scorpions in the world and there's only one type that people die from and it is the bark spider that's in southern Arizona. 
isn't that great? We live in the area where there's only one spider that people die from. Now it's rare, okay? So don't worry too much about it. It's rare that people die from it, but you can die from a, a, a scorpion sting. And um, I, I probably should go this route. Anybody here never been stung by a scorpion? How, you, lucky? All right, let me see how many have been stung by scorpions. So there's less. I didn't think that was possible. Uh, so we had a storm in our house a while back, and uh, I thought it was a gunshot that went off in the house next to us. And so I had bare feet, and I jumped up, and I went out, and I stepped on our hose that was rolled up on the back porch, and there's a scorpion in there, and it hit my heel. And I immediately just went back in the house. I was like, ow! And I went back in the house. And then once I got in my house, I'm looking at my heel, and it's burning, because that's what happens, right? You get this sting, and there's just this overwhelming burning that happens for a little while, then it seems to fade. But it's burning like crazy, and all of a sudden I realize, I need to know whether that's a bark scorpion or not. So I gotta go back out and look at it. So I get my flashlight and I go back out, and it was a pretty big scorpion. So I'm, you know, bark scorpions are really small, so I was pretty sure it wasn't a bark scorpion. But um, I killed that sucker. I got him back <laughs> for getting me. So the bite is like the bite of a scorpion, it says. Their torment is like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man, which for those few here that raise their hands, which still amazes me, um, I, I've been bit by them several times. I don't, I don't know what it is about me that I get bit by scorpions, you know. Um, in those days, verse 6, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. Now, what it doesn't say here is that men are going to climb up buildings and jump off and splat and then wiggle around alive because they can't die anymore. What it doesn't say here is that men are going to get in front of a train, get demolished in front of the train, and then lay alive in all the pieces from the train because you can't die. That's not what it says. It says they want to die, but they can't die. So the scorpion stings them. The scorpion, the locust scorpion creature stings them, and the sting is so bad that they want to die, but it doesn't kill them. They can't die from it, but they wish they could die. That's, that's what it says. And um, we take it further, and we don't need to sensationalize anything further than it is. It's already bad enough without making it worse by saying something that we're imposing on the text. And that's something that you learn in Bible study. You don't want to impose on the text. You don't want to make the text say something that's not there. Now, you could say, maybe this means that people will try to kill themselves, but they won't be able to. It says they want to die. They will seek to die, but death will flee from them. Now, what do they look like? You ready for this? Verse 7, the shape of the locust. And for some reason, I have them the size of a chihuahua in my mind. It never says that. But I see flying locust scorpion chihuahua. That's what I see. I, it doesn't give us a size, so I don't know. They could be very big. They could be very small. The shape of the scorpion was like a horse prepared for battle. So a horse prepared for battle is, is all riled up. When, a, a war horse ready to go out into battle is, 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 a, is an animal that's riled. It's ready to go. It's not just like, oh, we're out for an afternoon ride. A war horse knows what war is, ready for battle. The war horse is uppity and ready to go. That's the idea. These things are, are ready. And on their heads were crowns of something like gold. So he's trying to describe what these things look like 
and there's something like crowns on their head. It doesn't mean they were flying around with little golden crowns on their head, like they were all kings. It just is something, there were crowns with something like gold. And you're going to see this a lot. He says like. Their faces were like the face of a man. Their hair was like the hair of a, of a woman's hair. The teeth were like lion's teeth. I already don't like these guys. And their breastplate was like the breastplate of iron. So it seems like there's something that makes them hard to kill. That's why this is a perfect built-in horror movie that I would be surprised if one hasn't been made already. But you got something Bible-based that you can make a horror movie out of and it hasn't been done yet and these creatures are hard to kill so you can have all this suspenseful stuff happening with these scorpions attacking people. The sound of their wings was like the sound of a chariot with many horses. So that's why we think we give them a little bit of size. Um... You ever had a bumblebee fly by you and you hear it? Or you have a, um, a hummingbird fly by you and you think, what was that? And it's just a little, little hummingbird. Imagine something larger with these wings. And you can imagine what locusts must sound like, true, real locusts. When they darken the sky and their wings all rumbling and now you have these guys and their, their wings sound like a chariot with many horses running into battle. They had tails like a scorpion and, and they were stings in their tail their power was to hurt men for five months. Now, Hal Lindsey, in his book in the early 70s, The Late Great Planet Earth, compared these to helicopters. He said that he's trying to describe something he can't describe, and these are helicopters, war helicopters, that are sent out. P probably not the case. I I'm going to go as far as to say that's not what we're reading here. It's interesting, the next... Uh, trumpet could have war implications but this one doesn't seem to this isn't helicopters harassing men for five months with stingers that's not what helicopters do although I do realize there's a weapon on helicopters called stingers however it's not what helicopters do they they destroy and they rescue and they're very versatile Th these are are not helicopters I'm just going to come down they're not helicopters these are some kind of creatures that come out of the darkness and harass people now, this is demonic. It's not just creatures. They, they have a king. It says in verse 11, and they had a king over the angel of the bottom, they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. Well, now we learn that there's an angel of the bottomless pit. Satan is found in chains in the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek, his name is Apollyon, one woe is passed. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. So Apollyon and Abaddon are destroyer. Destroyer in Hebrew and destroyer in Greek. So this angel's name is destroyer. And here I have to correct something else I, I generally say that, that I need to correct. So I often say we only know three angels, uh, uh, two angels' names, and that would be Michael and Gabriel. And Lucifer, we don't have his, that's not his name. Now, is Apollyon Satan? Again, a lot of people will suggest that. And I'm going to hate to do this to you, but I'm going to give you a maybe. There's just things we don't know, right? The Bible says the hidden things belong to God, but the revealed things belong to us. And it doesn't say Apollyon is the serpent of old. We get an identification later on when he's thrown into the pit of who it is that's being thrown in the pit. Here we don't. So is this another angel that we get a name of? It seems that way. It seems if this were Satan or if the star fallen 
to open up the bottomless pit were Satan, it seems that we would have gotten some information on that. We know who Satan is well because he deceived the world, he defeated the nations. We know who Satan is. It would seem that it would say that. Now, three things in closing. Number one, no wonder Jesus tells us to pray that we would be counted worthy to escape all of these things. Because this is one of the particular things that we do not want to have to deal with. And no wonder we ought to pray and share Christ with the people around us. Because this thing is, is going to happen. It's a prophecy in Scripture, and so far all the prophecies have come true, and this will happen. Number two, these are earth dwellers, and the locusts come out of the earth. Oftentimes, the judgment of, an, of, a, of a sin or the judgment of idolatry is in the very sin or idol itself. So they were earth dwellers, and out of the earth came this. And oftentimes, that's the case with judgment. I, we were, we're talking about Lonnie Frisbee. Lonnie Frisbee died of AIDS in 1994. Uh, he says he was not a homosexual, but that he dabbled as a, as a hippie, young hippie, and then backslid into bisexuality. And that's where he got AIDS in the, in the 80s, when, when AIDS was, was prevalent. But he talks about it being a consequence. He said, my death is a consequence of the sin I was involved in. The actual judgment that came to Lonnie came from the sin that he had. It was the consequences of it. And oftentimes, that's what happens in our lives. God gives us over to the sin. The sin ends up destroying us. We pursue the sin. And, and there comes a point where God says, you want that? Okay. And that's what happened with Lonnie. He wanted it. He had the consequences from it. But on his deathbed, dying painfully from the disease, he came back to Christ, got his head on right, and, and, and actually spoke for him as he wrote his biography. So oftentimes with the sin comes the judgment with the very sin. Finally, the Bible is so much deeper than people think. Revealed by the study of the morning stars. So you just get this area, this one little area where you start to think, what, what is it? I see a morning star here. I see a morning star there. And then you go and you start to connect all the dots. We don't have to make things up. We, we don't have to try to get extra biblical material to be able to talk about. There's so much in the Bible that we could spend the rest of our lives studying it, living it, doing what it says. And we will, God will continue to speak to us through them over and over again. I've been pastoring for 38 years. Pastoring this church for 38 years. I've gone through the book of Revelation. This is at least the third time. It might be the fourth. I've lost count. But I can tell you that I'm learning new things, teaching it to a congregation for the fourth time. There's, there are things God's revealing to me now, and God's word is like that. It just continues. And it's, as I learn more about the rest of the Bible, I'm able to connect the dots much better as I'm making my way through than the first time that I did. And maybe that's just what happens. The, the, the more we grow in Christ, the more we mature, the more we learn the word of God, the deeper we see the word of God is. And no wonder you find people like Charles Swindoll or David Jeremiah will say things like this. The more I learn about the Bible, the more I realize I don't know. And when I hear someone like Charles Swindoll or David Jeremiah say, the more I realize I don't know, then I think, well, what don't I know then? I think I know, but what don't I know if they 
have been studying the Bible for all that time, much longer than me even, and, and they're saying now they realize there's so much that they don't know. It's never a problem to go. I'm not sure what this exactly means, but we can always learn what it means from it. What it means here is that men are going to be judged. This is the first judgment for men. So I'm going to have you stay seated. No, you know what? I'll still, let's stand and pray. And then Adam will come up. But let's get you guys a little stretch, okay? Because I didn't preach over my time, but right on my time. <laughs> let's pray. Father, thank you for the time that we're able to spend together here in your word. Thank you for what you're doing with us. And that you show us that men are going to be judged. And we see this judgment for on earth dwellers coming from the earth in these creatures that torment them for five months. And Lord, we pray for our family, friends, co-workers, acquaintances who don't know you. We pray that you would move in their hearts. We ask that the enemy would be bound. We pray you would continue to open up the scriptures to us. Help us learn more about what it means that Satan defeated the nations. Father, thank you that your word is so deep that we can spend so much time in it and continue to learn. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.